That didn't work. <laughs> Friends, have you noticed, like, the weather is beautiful the entire week, and then Sunday rolls around? <laughs> so praise God for the rain, right? It was beautiful. We need it for sure. But it's always an adventure. Uh, Sundays, I check the weather forecast like every 20 minutes. I don't know. <laughs> so hopefully we'll be outside again next week, but um, how beautiful and cozy is our building. And yeah, we're so grateful. We are so, so grateful. <clears throat> so happy to be with you guys tonight. We're in this series, and no, there will not be slides because, you know, again, we thought we were going to be outside. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you'll want to grab those. But we're in this series called messy church. And when we say those words, messy church, it doesn't matter who you're talking to, if they have a religious background or not, if you bring up what the name of our series is with them, they just nod enthusiastically because they know church is messy, right? They're like, oh my gosh, couldn't be a better title for a, for a church series than that because the church is a mess. It's a mess, and we know it. And, you know, Crossroads, I don't even care if it's Crossroads. You can pick the name of any church down the street because there's a bunch of them, but they're always going to be a little messy because everyone who gathers together is messed up, you know? We're just, we're messed up in some way. And Pastor Rob, he talked about this last week, that church is full of messed up, broken, hurting people. He even shared his personal story of when he was 13 years old and he went to church for the first time and everybody was in suits and ties and dressed to the hilt and he came just in his jeans and his stuff and sat down and two ladies behind him, you know, start commenting and said, what's someone like him doing here? And his friend and mentor turned around and said, there's no better place for him to be. There's no better place for us to be with our mess. And you know, there's nothing new about this, right? People judge others, they decide who should be hanging out with who, and who should be where, and if they're good enough to be there, and what are they doing there, right? They're always making judgments like this, and Jesus even encountered this very thing. You know, in Mark 2, 16, 17, we see the scripture where it says, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? And upon hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And the message last week stated that there is one thing that God absolutely cannot do. He can't do it. 
And that is that he cannot love you any more or any less than he does right this minute, right this second, right where you are. Let that really sink in. Absorb that into your soul, that you are completely loved. You're wrapped in God's love. Are you ready for it? Just by being you. Just by being who you are. You are enough. You have a seat at the table. So if all this is true, then shouldn't the church be the safest place in the world for us to gather? Take off our masks and breathe in transparency and authenticity. Shouldn't that be the case? You see, we want our church right here in this room to be a place where masks are not required, meaning we don't have to pretend like we've got it all together or fake it in order to be included in something. We want to address the mess head on. You know why? We don't have time to waste. There's no time for us to be tiptoeing around our stuff. We want to confess, we want to admit, we want to confide, and we want to confront in love and demonstrate what real really looks like. In Proverbs 23, 18, it says this. It says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. And James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. You guys, there's not a lot of I statements in the Bible. It's always us. It's always our. It's always each other. We're part of each other's stories. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You see, honesty is one of the best things that you can do for you and your faith family. Honesty is one of the best things you can do for you and for your faith family. Do we believe this? I think we want to believe it, but I think many of us have attempted to remove our masks and been too scared. I think some of us have attempted to remove our mask and we've been hurt. I think we've attempted to remove our mask and we've been lied to and accused by the enemy. 
Maybe we've even expected too much from others. We have held others to a standard that even we ourselves would never be able to meet. I want you to think about what mask you are wearing and who you are wearing it with. Think about what mask you are wearing and who you are wearing it with. Husbands, are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you depressed? Does your wife know? Have you been real with her? That might be a mask. Wives, do you share your whole life with your husband? Or is it just half of you? Do you tell all your story? Or do you save some of that for just certain people in your life? Is that a mask you've been wearing? Singles, young adults, kids, How much real do you really see at school or on social media? Or is this a filter you put on when you're with other people? Because it's a little shinier, it's a little bit more fun. But if we're honest with ourselves, what people are we drawn to? We're not drawn to these people. We're drawn to real people that take their mask off. We have two choices in this community. We do. We have options. We can leave our masks on. We really can. Because you know what? There's churches that only people wear masks. They clean up, they tidy up, they mask up, and they go in and everything is great. And there's no mess. There's no mess. Or we can be transparent, we can be authentic, and we can be our messy selves. But if we choose to walk in that way, we're going to have to hold each other close. We're going to have to protect each other. We're going to have to stand up for each other. And we're going to have to open up to each other. Someone from our church, Mark Wright, I asked his permission. It was so fascinating because after last week's service. He had no idea what the message was on this week. But he posted, we've got a Ogden Second Street Facebook page. So if you're not on that and you want to be, just let us know and we'll add you. 
But he posted this in our group. And talk about leading by example. This is what he wrote. He said, I felt led to share with you a bit about myself. I am very much a perfectionist. I strive for perfection in everything I do. Many times when I do not achieve perfection, I work at my flaws and improve myself. Whether it be playing music, my career, my relationship, I strive to do better. Being a crossroads worship leader, I feel most people think I have my life together. But unfortunately, I do not. Now, I am fortunate and grateful for what I do have, but I still struggle like everyone. Here's a few struggles I deal with that make me messy. The first struggle is I'm a very, not a very emotional person. Granted, I get frustrated and angry and sad in both good and bad times I tend to carry on. When I was homeless, I had the attitude, it is what it is, and I continue to push forward. When my mom died last year, I had the mindset that there is nothing I can do, so why beat myself up? Just continue on and make her proud. That mindset helps me to push forward, but my relationships suffer because I don't feel the same pain or excitement that others feel, which makes for a disconnection. The second struggle I go through is my speech. I've always been self-conscious of my speech. I tend to stutter, pause, stumble on words, backtrack when telling a story, think too much before I speak, and even not think before I speak. So I tend to stay quiet and listen. The struggle makes me suffer because oftentimes I don't speak up and voice my opinion when I should. I'm often quiet until I get comfortable or there's a topic I really like. Then you can't shut me up. And it affects me with prayer. I often don't want to get chosen to lead a prayer because, one, I don't think I'm good at it, and, two, I am self-conscious of my speech. However, this Sunday, I was selected to lead the group prayer for the production meeting. I had a few hiccups, but it went pretty well, and it felt good. That is something that I will have to continue to work on. Those are a few of my struggles, regardless of what I may be facing. I know that Jesus and God love me. If you feel led to share, what are some of your struggles that make you a messy person? Wow, Mark. Thanks for leading by example. Thanks for being authentic and transparent. Because we want to build a community of people who are growing more and more in their transparency and honesty with themselves and with others. You know, there's someone in the Bible that was so good at this. We see him story after story just kind of putting himself out there. That was a disciple of Jesus, Peter. You know, he was always uncomfortably aware of his unworthiness. And he always let himself just be open in front of whoever was there at the time. He found himself in this position when he first met Jesus, and he was in this position when 
he was killed. We find in the story in Luke, Luke 5, um, I'll start at verse 6. This is the disciples um, encountering Jesus fishing. And it says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to shore and left everything and followed. We find Peter and Jesus again. the night that Jesus was betrayed in John 13, 7 through 9. When Jesus said I, he would, wanted to wash their feet, and Peter, no, no, no. And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Always open, transparent. Peter would be crucified by the Romans for following Jesus. Emperor Nero held the Christians responsible and ordered many of them to be executed. And Peter was sentenced to crucifixion in Nero's circus, which was at the foot of the Vatican Hill. But he said, I'm not worthy to die the same way Jesus did and asked to be turned upside down. You see, in Peter's life, nothing compared to Christ. And he was always comfortable admitting that in front of others. Jesus, he is it. He was the common denominator in all of Peter's stories. He is our life and our hope. And he's the only way that we have a possibility of opening up with each other and taking our masks off. He's it. The scripture that helps us put this in perspective is 1 John 1 through 7, and I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It says, But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, Listen to this next line. We share unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. We share unbroken fellowship with one another. 
The picture of God that John wants to put before us is this picture of God as light. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There is no darkness. It means that if you draw near to God, you do not find a dark foreboding truth. You find hope and you find joy and you find life. Our goal of ultimate and eternal joy is secured in God because there is no darkness in God. That is, there's no lurking shadow, no man behind the curtain, no hidden agenda, no fine print. He is light, period. In him, there is no darkness. There's no regrets for those of us that come to God with all of our hearts. It doesn't mean that we don't have suffering, that we don't have pain, that we don't make mistakes, that we don't struggle. It just means God's completely, as Suzanne said, trustworthy and faithful in all the struggles, all the suffering, and all the pain. Light is the promise of hope. Darkness is despair and misery. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie to ourselves and we do not live according to the truth. It says that he who hates his brother is in the darkness and he who loves his brother abides in the light. We can't hate each other or not talk to each other or not open up to each other or not walk side by side with each other and be in the light. It's not possible. Walking in the light means being a loving person. But there's something even more basic than that. Everyone who loves the world more than God is in the dark. It doesn't matter whether we say we have fellowship with God or not. We don't have it. Instead, we walk in darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live according to the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's time to live and turn our hearts and our lives toward the holiness that we are called to, toward the fellowship that we are called to. Holiness is hating sin and loving righteousness. Our own sin, not each other's sin, we're really good at hating each other's sin. We're really good at calling out sin in each other. It's time for us to take a good look in the mirror because we are in a battle. And some of you have been sidelined because you're not even taking the time to address your own mess. We've got to address our mess. 
We gotta confess it. We've gotta drag it into the light because once we drag it into the light, those chains are broken. And one of the most powerful ways we drag it into the light is we get real with one another. We confess it to one another. We just pull that sucker into the light. So many of us are cuddled up at home, and I know you think, I hate Netflix, I don't, I love Netflix, but we're cuddled up at home with our Netflix and our remote, and that has become our pacifier because we don't wanna address our stuff. But meanwhile, there's a battle raging over this neighborhood, over this community, over this state. And you know what? God doesn't need us, but he wants to use us in the battle. He wants to. But we got to get unified. We've got to start investing in each other's lives and quit cuddling up in isolation. And doing the deep work. I want us to fight. And if you don't want to fight, that's okay. There's a bunch of churches, you guys. You have options. And there are some that will never ask you to take your mask off. You are good to go. You can mask up. You can go. You can attend. You can sit in the back row. You can leave. And no one will even bother you about a thing. But you know what? There have been prayers prayed over this building, this campus, this area for years and years and years. I know God wants to do something. And you're in this room, so I'm pretty sure you're a part of it. There's a youth group to grow. There's three kids that attend regularly. Praise God, there's three kids. But you know what? They were at the park this last week. And they had children coming up that weren't allowed to leave the park and go home because their mom didn't want them alone with their stepdad. So we need you. We need you to help the youth group. We need you to love the kids in this neighborhood. We have one kid in kids' ministry today. But you know what? When I was here on Tuesday, there was a swarm of them that came up to me and asked for a snack. I know they're not coming here right now, but someday they will be. But you know what? We need you guys to speak the word of God to these kids. Somebody gets to introduce them to Jesus. I don't think there's a higher honor in the planet than being the person that signed up for a Sunday night to work in kids' church and led a seven-year-old to the Lord. We need you. There's a battle for souls, you guys. There is a battle for souls. I know God wants us healthy. He wants us strong. He wants us excited. He wants us joyful. He wants us prepped. 
for when the people start coming in. Because you know what? We think we're messy. We ain't seen anything yet. I saw a woman walking with three kids home from school that was so high on heroin, she could barely stand up on Tuesday. I want her in this building so we can love her, you guys. I want her in here so she can meet Jesus. Yeah, but we got to do this stuff. We got to address our stuff so we're healthy so we can help other people. So I'm going to ask you again. If God is light and he is the deliverer from all dark dangers and obstacles to joy, what mask are you wearing and who are you wearing it with? And what are you doing to help others feel safe to take off their mask? Because it's not easy to take it off. We gotta be real. We gotta be real. When I was preparing this message, the Lord brought this story to mind. It's a favorite of mine because my sister and I were in this play when we were seven and eight years old. We were cute, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's the story of the Velveteen Rabbit. So I wanted to read you an excerpt out of it. This is the rabbit talking to the skin horse, and the skin horse talking to the rabbit. It says, real isn't how you were made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easy or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very, very shabby. But these things don't matter at all. Because once you are real, you can't be ugly. Except to the people who don't understand. Carly, will you come up? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to have, um, after a couple teams up here, to pray. If you need prayer for anything, please 
um, go ahead and come up. But if you want to stand, um, we talked about before how our posture in prayer is a weapon of warfare. Doesn't mean we can't pray sitting down. Of course we can. We can pray laying on our face. We can pray on our knees. We we can pray. Our prayers are incense to the Lord. And he hears them and he is faithful. He is faithful. Lord, we come to you tonight. God, I pray for each person in this room. Lord, show each of us if we are putting a mask on. Lord, if we're putting a mask on for anybody in our lives, maybe we're putting a mask on for our kids. Maybe we're putting a mask on for our parents. Maybe we're putting a mask on for our friends or our spouses or at work with our employer. Lord, we want to be real. We want to be real. Lord, will you, will you help us to have the courage to take that mask off? Lord, will you show us what it looks like to really be community, to really be family? Lord, we want to go to battle. We care about the people in this area. Lord Jesus, you brought us here for a reason. We know this church and this campus is not for everybody, God. We know a lot of people love to be cozy in a nice, safe, easy neighborhood. Um, Lord, we get that. We get that, and that's okay. That's okay. We are for every church that speaks the name of Jesus. We love them. We affirm them. But this is a place, Lord, that I know you have your eye on. I know you have, and you care. You care about each individual around here, Jesus, and we are your army, and you sign us up. So Jesus, show us what that looks like, God. Create in us a soul and a spirit that will not rest from praying for the people of this area, that will not rest, God, till people feel loved, they feel seen, they feel cared for, and they encounter your love, not our love, but your love, Jesus, through us. Lord, put us in the battle. Help us to address our mess, to confess our sin, to turn from it, Lord, and to seek your face in all we are and all we do, Jesus. It is an honor and a privilege to be here, Lord. Help us to never lose sight of that, God. Help us to never lose sight of it. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. In your mighty, mighty name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you next week for more Messy Church. And if you need prayer, we've got our prayer teams up here. We'd love and be honored to pray for you. And if you want to stay for hot dogs and chili, please do. We'd love, we'd love that. <laughs>